Welcome to the X-Men-Task podcast for Batman years. My name is Willie Simpson. My name is Sonia Rappaport. Sonia, we are up to the eighth episode overall of the second season of the Batman animated series, uh, an episode entitled Riddler's Reform, the third episode featuring the Riddler. Mm-hmm. Uh, always fun to talk about the Riddler and a whole lot more, but first let me dispense with the plugs. You can follow me on Twitter at Willie Simpson. Or you can also find me on Threads. You can uh, interact with us at the X-Men Task Podcast Facebook and Reddit groups. You can join both communities there and uh, drop us a line. We're having a lot of chat lately about some uh, new X-Men 97 news that's been dropping. Um, and also, uh, you can, if you like the show, you can leave us a nice five-star review on iTunes. Again, we appreciate everyone who does just that. Sonia, speaking of which, um, there was um, some X-Men 97 news this past week. Mm-hmm. They had a Comic-Con. Uh, some of the creators were there. They talked a little bit more about the plot. Actually, I shared on Twitter, there was some interview they did with Marvel 2, Eric and Julia Leewald and uh, Bo DeMeo and uh, Larry Houston. They're all talking about the show. And one of the details I saw was that Jean is pregnant mm. <laughs> in season one of X-Men 97. They're also in the process of writing season two of X-Men 97. Wow. So, um... The writer's strike didn't... Or it's yeah. paused because of that? I think this interview came out before the writer's strike. I'm not quite sure. Okay. But anyway, who knows? But, uh... Or maybe it doesn't affect animation. Although, I have a feeling that wouldn't be the case. But still, um... Some, oh, and the most interesting X-Men 97 news was that if you were at one of these Comic-Cons this past week, they did show footage from the show. Footage it hasn't been released yet, though, Not right? released anywhere. No one leaked it? Yeah, no one leaked it either. So mm-hmm. some eyeballs have seen new X-Men animated series animation. But not us. Not us, no. <laughs> <laughs> if you've seen it, uh, drop us a line. Let us know how it looks. Yeah. Uh, we're curious. Um, so yeah, so X-Men 97 will come out eventually. Again, who the hell knows? I mean, I think season one is complete, so they will drop it at some point. Great. Yeah. Um, that'll be exciting. Some other stuff we've been watching this week, we've been keeping up with uh, Secret Invasion. Um, you know, we've talked enough about it. What, yeah. What's to say? It's, it keeps going. They're heading to the conclusion. I did, uh, again, on Twitter, I tweeted uh, a link to an interview with Samuel L. Jackson on Vulture Magazine that is very uh, in-depth about his entire career. It is a fantastic interview. Hmm. Search that out if you can. It was very fascinating to read him uh, talk about his whole career and, like, as far as Marvel-related things he had to say, he did mention that David Hasselhoff was annoyed that he didn't get to play Nick Fury in the Marvel <laughs> Universe. <laughs> Which I thought was funny that he, you know, Sam Jackson's even talking about him is pretty hilarious. Um, I've actually never seen that made-for-TV Nick Fury movie they made starring David Hasselhoff. I feel like that's something that might be fun to watch. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, check out that Sam Jackson interview. Uh, Secret Invasion again. It's okay. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. The The conclusion will be next week. Hopefully that's more interesting. Oh, the Marvel's trailer and the, the final trailer came out, or the latest one anyway. Uh-huh. What do you think about that? I liked it. You liked it? Yeah. I will see that movie. I, a friend of mine made a funny comment. He says, um, how's the movie going to hold up if you're just not hearing the Be- the Beastie Boys intergalactic song throughout yeah. the whole movie? <laughs> 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 it made a good point. That's to a fair question. Yeah, I wonder how much my hype for the, the, those trailers are just influenced by that song, which I really like. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. Uh, again, uh, oh, you know what we forgot to mention last week? We've been still watching My Adventures of Superman. Oh, yeah. Uh, still lots of fun and excellent. A nice fun little twist at the end of episode four this week, which we won't give away. But what a 
beautiful little show it is. It's a delight. It's very adorable. You know, we uh, decided watching the latest episode, we said it's it's uh, the kid version of Harley Quinn, the animated show. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that in a pejorative way. Like the the Harley Quinn show is pretty explicit with cursing, gratuity, um, sexual themes, violence, violence. This show. It's got the same tone, but it's not gratuitous, obviously, in any way. It is kid-friendly. Like, you could watch Family it. Family-friendly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You could watch it with kids. Um, but, like, the pacing of it and, yeah. like, the, the bright poppy colors. The, the comedic style is similar. Uh-huh. And I like the comedic style of the Harley Quinn show. And, hey, that's coming back soon, too. Yeah. In a week or two. Um, we'll be excited to revisit Harley Quinn season four. Uh, or not revisit, to visit it for the first time. <laughs> um yeah, so My Adventures of Superman continues to be great. Another thing I've been watching on Max, uh, you were uh, working today, but I was I had nothing to do. I watched, there's a new, I don't know how many episodes there's going to be of it, but it's a History of DC Comics documentary they've made on Max. Mm-hmm. And I watched the first episode. It was pretty good. Okay. And they touched on stuff, you know, that I was, I wondered if they were going to go there. But by the way, it's hosted by Rosario Dawson, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that make me think, like, was Rosario Dawson in any DC movie? Why would she do this? She's been in a lot of Marvel stuff. Yeah, she has. I don't know if she's been in anything DC. I mean, maybe this is her debut. <laughs> the, maybe she's done voices for cartoons. I don't know. But uh, it's it's decent. Like, the first episode, uh, they they talk about the broad history of DC Comics. They touch on the controversies, like Bill uh, Bob Kane not being the true creator of Batman. They talk about the Superman creators not getting their fair share from the DC Corporation, and being screwed out of royalties and creator rights. So they, they touched on stuff that I, you know, that are like foundational to like the true story of the history of DC that you wonder if it's, this is some big corporate puff piece, if they would ignore or not. Like they went into the, the sort of um, the, the non-conventional marriage that Willie Marsters had, the creator of Wonder Woman with his two wives mm-hmm. and the, you know, the guy that invented the lie detector machine and, they did Wonder Woman as well. Uh, they talked about that, so that was fascinating. So they talked about the stuff that needed to be discussed. Mm-hmm. They didn't like you know, like hammer it home in any way that was like particularly interesting. But I'm sure if you don't know any of this history, it's like it's got to be like mildly curiosity inspiring at the least to like get this information for the first time. So and there's so far there's three episodes I've seen. I haven't seen the other two yet. I wonder if it's just three episodes and that's it. I mean the weird thing about episode one was like the last five minutes of the first episode was just a commercial for the Matt Reeves Batman movie. Right. Which I was like, Yeah, I caught that. That was that was like a strange thing. Yeah. Because they, they transition from like the end of the episode, they talk about uh, Adam West Batman and then they just transitioned to Matt Reeves talking about his new Batmobile, which was inspired by that show. But then the next five minutes are him just talking about like the Batman movie and you know all the stuff they did to make it. I was like, okay, this is a little off the beaten track here. Yeah. Um, speaking of the Batman movie, I bought it on Blu-ray. Wait, before we transition, yes. I just want to say, because I looked it up, Rosario Dawson did voice Wonder Woman in the DC animated movie universe. Wow. And also Barbara Gordon in Lego Batman movie. You know what? I had a feeling she did some voiceover work. Yeah. She is quite prolific. Mm-hmm. And she's in so many things. Uh, anyway. Tell us about the... The Batman Blu-ray. Blu-ray. I mm-hmm. just bought it on a whim. It was a Amazon Prime. It was my only Amazon Prime Day purchase. <laughs> I got it for like eight bucks. And, uh, you know, like I liked the movie when we saw it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about it on this podcast. I'm sure you can look up the episode. We enjoyed it. Uh, you know, like it wasn't as enjoyable on the second watch. Subsequently, 
in the past year when we watched it again, it was a little, you know, everyone knows it's long, it's plotting. There's certain characterizations they don't get with Batman. Correct, you know, like arguable things. It's a little, uh, you, know, you know, you can nitpick it. But, um, and we nitpicked the plot a bit too, I feel like on this podcast talking mm-hmm. about, I felt like technically like the Riddler won and I didn't understand why he was crying at the end of the movie. <laughs> like all his goals were accomplished. Uh, but uh, besides that, like I still just, I was curious about this movie because this movie like had such a fabulous production design uh-huh. and it looks so good, you know, and so much work went into it. And I was curious to watch all the special features, which there are plenty mm. on this Blu-ray. And I was watching a bunch of them and I was really impressed. Like they did a lot of practical filmmaking with the film which uh, I thought was cool. And the movie, like, you know, we have, like, an OLED TV flat screen. Uh, and the movie just looks so good. Like, that's the one thing that you could say about the movie beyond anything else. And so, you know, like, you don't have to necessarily sit there and, like, watch it straight through. But uh, you know, when you throw it on, you do appreciate just how good it looks. Like, I, I'm doing it like I watch... In my, this is my uh, second rewatch or third rewatch or whatever, and it's, I'm watching it in chunks, like... I watched it the last time. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I don't know. Like, it's interesting that that story is going to continue. It made a lot of money. It did a pretty good job at the bottom. It didn't, like, I don't think it made a billion dollars, but did well enough. Mm-hmm. And But, again, it's just strange. Like, they brought James Gunn in to reboot the whole thing, and he's going to do his own version of Batman, and yet this version of Batman's carrying Still on. Still out there, it's, yeah. DC can't ever quite straighten things out. Mm. I would just have said... This is the Batman for the new James Gunn verse. Like, just carry on from there. But I don't know. People have contracts a bit. Like, they, they probably don't want to. Matt Reeves in his contract probably says, like, I don't have to do any DC continuity shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it, you know, there's going to be a couple of Batman, as the, seemingly there always are now, anyway. Mm. Um, other stuff we've been up to, uh, not much, really. Uh, we've been playing a lot of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah, that's a good time. We were slightly late to the party in this one. Yeah. Not late to the party in Breath of the Wild, uh, which I got when it was released and I loved it. But you didn't really play that one, but you've been playing this one almost exclusively. Yeah. Tell us about your Zelda Tears of the Kingdom experience. (laughs) It's a magical experience, what can I say? (laughs) It was so hyped and I I think like we both were kind of resisting it. And then when we gave in, it's totally worth it i'm sure like it doesn't need a plug here anyone who wanted to play right. it's probably playing it yeah already. right they probably maybe have already beaten it yeah but i'm getting a kick watching you play because you don't normally play games like this 3d adventure game 3d action adventure games uh-huh. this is your first attempt at doing any of these games and you're really committing to it uh-huh you play it almost every night you put a good hour in <laughs> and it is tough for me watching because i've been playing video it's games so frustrating right for you. <laughs> i've been playing video games the whole life i'm good at them sadly and just watching you struggle um, with like just some, you know, like just like the moving, dynamics yeah. of like moving the camera, moving around. the camera around, and like fighting the enemies, and I just, but it, it is like I am getting a blast. <laughs> we should throw you on Twitch. <laughs> we should subject to the whole the whole world to you playing Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Maybe we could put that in the popper. But you're, it's not like you're bad. You're pretty good. You got you know. I what mean, you're it's doing. not the first video game I ever played. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's, I usually go for more like puzzle yeah. type games, I guess. Which you um, are a genius at, by the way. Well, I don't know about that. Sonya is one of the world's greatest Dr. Mario players. <laughs> and I was looking up like Dr. Mario World Championships to see like how we can enter in. Like I I I was not good at Dr. Mario when I started playing Sonya. That was a game I never really played much as a kid. But mm-hmm. we played it for hours and hours, especially through the pandemic. 
just endlessly one-on-one matches. and Because you, you were so met, <laughs> you yeah. couldn't beat me. Yeah, I just could not beat her. Like, I was just determined to figure out this game. And then I finally figured out the game to the point of, like, being competitive with you at it. Where And I am just, like, as fluid, I'm getting in the flow state as much as possible. And you still crush me. It is unbelievable how good you are at Dr. Mario. I don't know. It's my robot brain. I don't know. I mean, like, when I was in college, I think, like, the only real, like, first-person type game I played was Halo. My oh, friends, wow. we used I didn't to, know this. Oh, yeah. We, we used to, like, set up LAN parties with my Yeah, very popular at the time. Friends. In the 2000s. Um, but I was terrible at that, too, because I think that was my first, like, real first-person uh, experience. Experience. Yeah. I just died, like, over and over again. But I got into, I guess, not puzzle games, but more like um, world building type games your mom didn't buy you wolfenstein for hanukkah when you were 10 years old like absolutely she absolutely not it was having no idea what it was Sonic the hedgehog 2 <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so anyway it uh, i'm having fun um that's awesome uh it's it's really cool that you're enjoying so i mean like to me i probably said before this podcast but breath of the wild was one of the greatest video game experiences i've ever had in my life it was so good i feel like after this one i might go back and play yeah, that one i would love to see that um it, it's just the people that make the zelda game nintendo they just have a, the best game designers on just it's unfortunate that it's like they don't have i don't know how controversial statements is but they've got like three franchises that are really great you know mm-hmm. it's like mario zelda metroid I mean, I, they got more than that. They got, like, Mario Kart. Like, they've got the various, like, spinoff. The The point is the in-house Nintendo games are amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, that's, the like, the main reasons to keep buying whatever the new Nintendo is, mm-hmm. is because they have these geniuses making these, like, perfect video games uh, across these, like, few different franchises. And, um, and no one really comes close to them. But... Uh, I know, like the Zelda game is on like another level of just like incredible game design and brilliance and just magical whimsy. Mm-hmm. But whatever, everyone knows. Yeah, what were you gonna say? <laughs> <laughs> I like I get a little anxiety sometimes because there's too many things to do. Yeah, <laughs> I think like during it's the also pandemic, charming. Like you want to do it all. Like that's the thing. I know that make you want to do it. It's like during the pandemic, you and I we like we got Animal Crossing right, right, and we were playing that. And then after a while, I just couldn't play it anymore because you just do chores. Yeah. the whole time you have to like collect things and. That's how you describe, you've watched me play Cyberpunk 2077, and you're like, you're doing a lot of chores in that game. Yeah, and I think, like, those types of games don't appeal too much to people who have, like, similar responsibilities in their real lives. I mean, not the same as Cyberpunk, but you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) if you're responsible for a lot of, like, running a household, Mm -hmm. for example, like, you don't want to do that in your free time. You did it all day. You do it your whole life. (laughs) Like, you don't need a video game to simulate it for you. And But I will say that, like, Zelda is different because, you know, you don't, those are not tasks that you do in your daily life, even though there are a lot of tasks. Right. <laughs> what do you think the appeal of Zelda is? It's just like that open world, just landscape. There's just the, the beauty of like that little twinkling piano music. Because it's like an exploration adventure sort yeah. of thing. You're like living vicariously through Link, I guess. And like the world it really is your oyster. You have like every mode of transportation and like every type of defense that you could prop like possibly need Mm -hmm. and and the way they like there's a lot of unknown i guess you know it's funny too um shigoro miyamoto who invented zelda he based it off his childhood of exploring the woods in japan and Mm. feeling like an adventurer 
And if you play the original, the first Zelda game for Nintendo, mm-hmm. like that, the, you wouldn't even necessarily think that was the inspiration no, unless you read it in really. a book. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> conceptually, like reading about it after the fact, you're like, okay, like I see where how he invented it. Uh-huh. But like this, these games like really capture yeah. like, what the spirit he had when he invented it. Um, I mean, I don't think, you know, he's just an executive producer now in these games. He's not leading creative development. It's these other brilliant guys. I don't remember their names. But, um, yeah, it's fascinating that, I don't know, like, we, we're, like, truly the first video game generation. I was, like, I don't know, five years old or something when the first time I saw Nintendo. And it's, like, still playing Mario and Zelda games now or almost 40 is really, like, insane mm-hmm. to think about how we're just like carrying on with these franchises our entire lives and they keep sort of um the complexity and maturity of them keep sort of flowering forever there was an article in the new york times like this week today i forget it was about something else but the point of it was that i or <laughs> sorry i misspoke that's okay <laughs> This is not the point of it, but like an anecdotal piece of information that they gave was that the gaming industry at this point is so big, like the revenue of it is more than like every single movie theater in the United States makes. It's more than like the publishing industry, like for books Mm -hmm. in the United States. Uh, It's insane numbers. Yeah, insane. I mean, that's why there's just huge antitrust case against Microsoft for acquiring Activision. Yeah, that's what the article is actually Because about. there's going to spend like 70 billion and it's just like, it's such a lucrative business and it's going to, it could sort of like, you know, hamper competition and monopolistic stuff going on. So um, it is like big business now. Like video games are just, I, I mean, you could see I know in so many ways they're superior entertainment products to television and movies because you get to interact with them they the, the writing has gotten so good in many of the best games as well mm-hmm. you're getting like a 60 hour movie in some cases or in some of them it's not even a story some of them it's really like you feel like you're flexing your creative yeah. uh, the, that side of your brain a little bit right. you know when you're like building in city skylines or something or I don't know that's why people like uh, I'm on my like fourth Minecraft or whatever too, I'm on right? my fourth full 100% playthrough of Cyberpunk and that's because oh their new like expansion is coming out in the fall and I want to like play it again to set my character up in a different way and I just love it so much. I mean that was a game that was like it had a terrible launch. I had made international press because it was so buggy upon release. People demanded their money back. I stuck with it. I kind of put it on the I got it right away when it came out and but then I put it on the shelf until it was patched. And then after it was patched, I played through the whole thing. I was riveted. I loved the game so much. The story was so great to me Keanu Reeves was awesome in it like I don't know it's like my favorite Keanu Reeves things he's he's done like more than the John Wick movies in the last 20 years mm. uh it's great I mean like seek out you know if you've got the the hardware to do it on a computer if you have a PS5 or whatever like the top Xbox system is get it it's really a great game and it's totally patched now it's totally fixed it works um but yeah video games are spellbinding and hard to turn away from I mean there was a new Spider-Man 2 video game trailer that came out this week as well I love the first Spider-Man game for PlayStation. I played that. I got 100% on that. And the second one's going to be all about Venom, which is, you know, that seems like the logical step mm-hmm. for taking it. Uh, you know, and this one's like a dual game where it's like you can switch between Peter Parker and Miles Morales. They're sort of merging those two games together. Mm. Um, one last thing uh, I wanted to mention before we start. Uh, we're recording this early on Friday night, so we haven't seen either of Barbie or Oppenheimer yet. 
So we're going to be late to par- the party on these movies. <laughs> Maybe all for the best. It's hard. Like, spoil everything. Yeah, that. But also it's like they're sold out everywhere, too. Yeah. And you said you saw people lining up outside the movie theater tonight as you were walking home. Yeah, there uh, there were like a bunch of people dressed up for the Barbie movie. Yeah, that's uh, that's amazing. In like real shiny, like pink art you know, type outfits. It's nice know? to see that both movies got like very good critical and fan reviews thus mm-hmm. far. People really seem to like them. So it's like a nice nice thing for the movies when the movies are sort of like beloved. It feels it's like a weird throwback. Movies are so divisive lately. Yeah, that it's cool to have like a double feature. That's you know you'll have fun either way. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, the thing I, I'm, I'm, ho- you know, I, last week maybe I forget if we talked about it or not, but like I was a little down on the idea of Barbie because I thought like, oh, what's this going to be like the Lego Movie kind of? Oh, it like felt- but pure like product advertisement. Well, or- the, just like the same story of like, there's like a real world and a fake world, and the toy comes into the real world, and somebody learns a lesson about being with their parents or something. I don't know, like just something like silly and like mm-hmm. redundant. But I think. From the few of the reviews I've read, like, first of all, they say it's a great movie, and it's more than that. It's, like, a lot of thought and care is put into it. So I was like, oh, okay, maybe it's, like, not going to be so redundant. It's going to be slightly original uh, in what it has to say, or maybe not slightly, maybe very original in what it has to say. And mm-hmm. it's really going to be a unique movie-going experience. So I'm, like, actually, I went from, like, being on the fence about whether or not I even care about seeing it to really wanting to see it now. Yeah. And Oppenheimer, um, you know, I, I've actually heard some mixed things of people saying it's, like, it's everyone's saying it's good or great, and a lot, some people are saying it's the best movie Christopher Nolan ever made, and other people are more split. They're like, yeah, it's not my favorite Nolan for X, Y, and Z, and I don't, I didn't really read any spoilers or anything, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I am, I'm curious to see like how this one comes across, and it's another three hour epic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not your fave. I don't think it's anyone's fave to like sit in the movie. You know, I was watching. Uh, <laughs> I'll say it's the last thing before we talk about Batman. On YouTube, I've been just going through a crazy World War II phase. Maybe it's because of just getting up for Oppenheimer. I've been catching up on my World War II cinema. And I've watched a lot of really long... I watched two really long World War II movies this week. Both free on YouTube, by the way. YouTube sometimes has free movies. Mm-hmm. So I watched Patton, and I watched uh, The Longest Day, which I've never seen before. That was about D-Day, and it features a lot of celebrities. It was in black and white. And, like Sean Connery just pops up for five minutes in the movie. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> Playing just a regular Scottish soldier invading the Normandy beaches. Tons of stars in that. But in at least in the patent one, which is three hours, they had a freaking intermission, like a five or ten minute intermission in the middle. Uh, and I was like, I'm surprised. Yeah, like that yeah. is a good idea. Let people go to the bathroom. They know that after an hour and a half, they'll have time to get up, go to the bathroom, get a drink or something, uh-huh. and come back. You know, it's we saw the Batman sitting there for three hours. It's like, it's tough. It's like you just sit by the end of the movie, and if you're enjoying it, you're kind of just like sitting at the end, edge of your seat in like a not like a suspenseful way, but in a kind of way where you're just, your butt's tired. Uh, you know, you're just like kind of tapping your foot a little bit. I think it depends on the movie. If it's a movie yeah. that needs to be three hours, then it's fine. It doesn't bother me. You know? Yeah. And if it's a movie that needs to be shorter than it is, then even if it's an hour and a half, it's excruciating. That's a good point, too. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, be, it's like, how long do you want to be stuck in a public place with weirdos? <laughs> with uh, uh, fellow I mean, weirdos. we live in New York City yeah, and we take the subway every. It's yeah. not. It's not really a concern of mine. <laughs> I do remember when we saw the Batman, like a fight did almost break out in like the middle of the movie between these two guys. Someone was like kicking somebody's chair or something. And mm. you want to take this outside? And everyone, I mean, like no one's not like anyone was talking in the movie, but you could feel like the energy, the, the movie theater get really weird all of a sudden. Mm. So 
Um, go to the movies. Sometimes a crapshoot in terms of experience. Um, let us know. I am really curious from you guys who do see Bat, uh, Oppenheimer and Barbie, what you think about it. You could, you know, spoil it or not in the Facebook group or warn people if you do so. But, you know, let us know. Like, great or overhyped, perhaps. Hmm. Hmm. All right, Sonia, uh, this latest episode of Batman, Riddler's Reform. So the return of the Riddler, one of my favorite characters from the animated series and just in the Batman universe in general. Uh, I want to say generally about this one, I remember this one for sure as a kid. This was one, because probably because I was looking out for Riddler ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, of the three Riddler episodes, not the best. I don't know if the Riddler comes back again. He might. I suspect he does, but uh, this one, like, it's not bad, but it doesn't hold a candle to the first two, which I think are some of the best Batman animated series episodes ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Not bad. It's, uh, we keep talking about how season two hasn't really disappointed us yet. There might've been like one in there that wasn't a perfect, like 10 out of 10, Mm -hmm. but this one is another one like that, which is like fine, you know, like out of eight episodes, that's not bad at all. It's similar to the Two-Face episode we saw last week where it's like, it's a continuation of the story. Yeah. So you're getting, you're getting like, it's like what, what happened after your favorite classic episodes, you know, kind of like, they're sort of like tying up some loose ends a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and unlike the Two-Face one, which kind of was interesting, this one is just sort of a little standard in terms of like a regular Batman adventure. But how does it begin? What kind of title card are we dealing with here? In the foreground, you've got some Riddler stuff. It's like <laughs> uh, his hat, I think, and right. his mask, maybe. Yeah, and like a cane. I a couple don't know. of his like accoutrements. Main cards or something? Something like that. And then in the background, there's a spotlight on a figure, a shadowy figure that you can't quite see. It, it's a cool title card right um so we open up on a newspaper and the headline says that the riddler has been released on good behavior and they spell behavior with a u suspicious which i suppose is the british spelling or maybe it's just trying to be like old timey oh that might be too yeah i don't know uh so the riddler and some of his goons are moving some (laughs) big riddle boxes they have question marks on the side brightly colored boxes the riddler so much about his uh his criminality is in the packaging, the elaborate packaging. <laughs> yes. And Batman and Robin show up to apprehend him. Um, and I mean, the Riddler's being suspicious as all hell because he's wearing his criminal outfit. Right. If he was mask. truly reformed, he would just dress like Edward Nigma and be done with it. Not him. wear a weird purple mask over his eyeballs. <laughs> and his full, like, green suit. Yeah. Um, so you discriminate against people that wear green suits? Only the Riddler. I, I, we saw a man. We went to this fancy bakery. Uh, we stopped in in New York City, just randomly were walking around Manhattan a week or two ago. And I oh, yeah. saw this man. To get a croissant. Right. I, I, <laughs> a really delicious croissant. I saw this man wear the most fabulously tailored green suit I've ever seen. Did he remind you of the Riddler? No, not at all. Like he, This guy pulled this green suit off with a plum. He was... Like a super handsome dude too, mm-hmm. incredibly handsome man wearing like what looked like an incredibly expensive green suit, <laughs> and I was just like head to toe. And then like after we left, I'm like, "What do you think of that guy in his green suit?" And you're like, "I didn't notice." <laughs> Is he checking out the croissants? I'm like, "How can you not notice this guy?" <laughs> like everyone in the restaurant like came in and talked to him and shook his hand. I, like I didn't, did he work there? I don't know. I thought like <laughs> does he own this place? It's like fancy French bakery stopped in. I have no idea. Huh. But that, so it is possible to pull off a green suit, but you have to one be incredibly handsome, and your suit really has to be dripping with great tailored style, I suppose. Jealous? 
Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't wear that. I'd look ridiculous. Uh, all right. So he rivals the other man I once saw uh, in a maroon suit. Oh, the California raisin suit. Yeah, the California raisin dude. He looks so fucking cool. <laughs> he is like dripping in head to toe maroon, like yeah, like maroon tie, maroon jacket and pants, and like maroon leather boots. But they didn't look stupid and le- like they looked incredible, incredibly cool looking. He just I can't wore it well. It. Yeah, wore it well. I just saw him sauntering through uh, the place where I work once. I've never seen him again. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, wow, what, maroon's a striking color if you could pull it off, too. I mean, if you saw that same guy and he wasn't wearing that suit, would you even recognize him? The maroon guy? What do you mean? <laughs> I didn't recognize him in the first place. He was <laughs> You famous. said you've, ne- you've never seen him again. Oh, I'm saying maybe you have and you didn't recognize him because you were <laughs> dazzled by But how suit. could he be wearing a, a suit that fabulous but then just wear normal bullshit clothing like everyone else any other time maybe he had a special event that day Uh, maybe he did yeah (laughs) so uh in walks charles baxter and um he like sees batman like holding riddler up by the lapels and batman's kind of like oh don't worry i'll take care of this clown or whatever robin's like oh the riddler's a wanted criminal and Baxter's like, I know who this is. Like, we're working together. We're in business. Put him down. I'm, like, the, I'm the multi-million dollar owner of Wacko Toys, which is a funny detail. He looks like, this Baxter guy looks like the rich dude from the Nostromos episode. Mm. It's like the same character design, but it's not him. No, it's not him. Yeah. That would have been a nice callback to have this, this uh, like, rich, because that guy was a dimwit who believed everything Nostromos had to say. Yeah. And he um, had the daughter that was into Bruce Wayne. Right. Yeah. She almost died yeah. at the hands of Nostromos. Right. So maybe Riddler, it's his brother. Yeah, maybe Riddler is, is like, oh, uh, we're we're in business together. This is Charles Baxter, and he's licensed my persona for his whole new line of toys, and we're going to make a killing. And Robin's like, yeah, that's what I was afraid of. <laughs> um, and Baxter's just like, all right, leave the Riddler alone. If you don't, like, I'm going to press charges or something. Yeah, it's going to make a complaint against you. And um, Riddler gives Robin this little, like, pyramid-shaped, it's like a Rubik's Cube sort of puzzle. Yeah. Um, a pyramid Rubik's Cube of some kind. Those exist, I think. Oh, but this one doesn't have colors on right, it. It's all yeah. white. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and then they, like, saunter out, and that's the end of that. So Batman's been embarrassed. Next up, we have a news report on TV about R. Newman Imports, uh, a store, I guess, like downtown Gotham somewhere. And uh, it's had a bunch of very, very valuable antiquities stolen. And Bruce thinks definitely that it's the Riddler because R. Newman it, like matches up with something the Riddler had said to him. Uh, and also something about like old things or things from the past or whatever, Batman's like, oh, the clues are all coming together. It's interesting from a normal person's perspective, Batman would seem like a lunatic for trying to find clues where there might not be any. Because the clues like are so obscure. That's like a theme that runs through this episode, right, actually. Right, but Batman's too smart. <laughs> <laughs> and then on TV, there's a commercial for Wacko Toys, Riddler's Games and Toys. And he shows an example of like that pyramid Rubik's Cube that he gave Robin. He also shows a map and then when he flips uh, on the flip side of the map, it's like one of those rotating chalkboards. He writes out an eight-digit number. He's like, riddle number, blah, 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 and writes it all out. And Batman and Robin are looking at the numbers that they wrote down. 
And they're like, oh, coordinates would match this. Let's see. And they take out the map, and it turns out it's the location of the first national bank in the financial district of Gotham. Correct. Um, do you think the Riddler, like this this Baxter guy is like, the Riddler's got name brand. Like, you can't buy that kind of marketing. Uh-huh. But then they kind of market the Riddler as like this guy who's a friend to kids. Do you think in the universe of Batman, the Riddler would kids would like be into the Riddler? Because if so, that's kind of fun. That if kids are just equally into the villains as they aren't into like Batman himself. Uh-huh. Because Batman's a hero in Gotham. I think that's kind of established. Right. That he's pretty beloved, especially amongst children. I mean, did you love the, the Riddler when you were a child? Yeah. yeah. But I also love the Joker. I mean, I loved all the crazy people too. Yeah, but... exactly. I mean, they're like colorful and wacky. Yeah. <laughs> so you can buy in this universe that the Riddler could be a pitch man to kids for toys. Yeah, I think so. People wouldn't just see him and be outraged. No, especially if he's just like selling toys and he's not trying to like enter your home or anything, you know? Yeah, that's true. Um, So where were we here? Uh, So now Batman and Robin go on a stakeout at this bank where they think the Riddler is going to be. And they're waiting, waiting. Robin's like, it's 10 p.m. He's not coming. Um and Batman gets, like, his little thought bubble. He remembers back to the TV commercial, and he's like, wait a second. He flipped the number over to show the map, uh, and he flips his paper upside mm. down, and it reads 10 Leslie. He's like, oh, it's an address. So they're, they're in the wrong place. He got fooled. Oh, another thing we didn't mention is that when the last time we saw Riddler, he was, his brain was destroyed by the virtual reality machine he invented. That's right. And then there's no mention of how he got out of that one. Arkham rehabilitated him I successfully. So, yeah. <laughs> Finally. At least from the virtual reality machine. <laughs> Not of wanting to be a criminal. So meanwhile, Riddler's at like a p- fancy party. He's in kind of a side room on the phone talking to his goons. And the goons are saying like, oh, it's late. Batman's not going to show. So they're like waiting for him at this place that they're robbing. It's a jewelry store mm-hmm. and they're pulling a heist. And Riddler's like, all right, you can get out of there. That's fine. And of course, like right as that exchange happens and Riddler's off the phone, he goes back into the party. Batman and Robin show up at the jewelry store. They fight the goons like it's not really a problem, but one of the big cabinets full of jewelry falls on Robin's foot. And he's like, Batman like helps him get out from under it. But meanwhile, the goons escape out the window and Robin's like, go after them. I'll be fine. You know, leave me behind. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) So the goons are descending. Batman jumps. They're descending on like a window washer scaffold thing. It's like a crazy thunderstorm outside. As as there always seems to be. The animation looked quite strange in this sequence. Yeah. I wonder if they used like computer generation to do the rain. Like it was hard to understand. Or this scene was. I think it's just a different like animation studio where there's cutting costs or something. Something was off. I mean, it didn't look bad. It just looked different. It looked noticeably different. It didn't look computer generated. I wonder if it just wasn't like fully remastered because I know they remastered the whole series for like 4K. Mm. And I wonder maybe like sometimes I know that happened in when they remastered Star Trek The Next Generation. There are a few scenes in the history of the show that they couldn't remaster because they didn't have the original. They couldn't find the original negatives. Oh. So there's like some quick like two second scenes or something where it just looks bad for a second hmm. and you have to just accept it. Interesting. Yeah. So maybe this is a case here. I have no idea. Maybe, like you said, maybe it's just a different animation studio. Yeah, it could be. Uh, so they, they're they like descending on this window washing platform. Batman is in pursuit, um, but they get to the bottom first. A car pulls up and the goons get in and they get away. Meanwhile, Edward Nigma, well, Riddler, he's dressed up as Riddler yet again. Um, right. He's at this party, and he and Baxter, Charles Baxter, the guy who's backing him, has one of those pyramid things, and uh, the Riddler takes it and solves it like very easily. Um, 
and Baxter, like, he's not upset or anything. He's just, like, happy with all the toy sales and, like, things seem to be going very well for them. These, like, beautiful women start hitting on the Riddler. Um, and then he gets a phone call that he has to take in the other room. But it turns out it's not a phone call. It's just Batman is waiting there for him. Right. And <laughs> Batman's weird. He's just stopping by to intimidate the Riddler. He's uh, like, I know you're bad, Riddler, and I'll break you I'm one gonna day. I'm going to get you. Yeah. And this whole time, Riddler's been secretly, he, his little toy he has in his hand is a two-way radio. And people have been listening to Batman tough talk the Riddler in the other room. <laughs> How embarrassing. Right. And then Riddler presses a button and opens the door. And everyone at this fancy park starts laughing at Batman as Riddler makes a few jokes at his expense. Batman came because he didn't have a clue. And people are in uproarious laughter over this. <laughs> and, the drinks are flowing. Okay. And Batman like d- does get the last laugh. Like He's not phased by all these rich people laughing at him. Although I wonder if, like, the Bruce Wayne side of him is a little embarrassed. It doesn't seem like it. He doesn't betray that at all. He just tells the Riddler, he's like, I'm haunting you because you can't stop what you're doing and I'll be waiting. And then there's, like, the most dramatic flash of lightning and thunder ever and Batman disappears in this light and goddamn what an exit. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, like, if, if that didn't happen, maybe his exit would have been a little more crappy. And here the Riddler starts to unravel yet again. He's, like, talking to one of his goons, and he's like, you know, Batman's right. He is going to catch me at some point. I didn't like that. They're trying to, like, go a little deeper here. It just it felt lazy. It's not the best. It's just, a, it's just kind of boring. It's one of those things where they're like, Batman is so special. You know, it's like Riddler's talking about, like, he's, oh, Batman's the only one who's worthy of playing these games with me. Right. Uh, he's the only one that ever was like any kind of threat. Right, yeah. He's the only one worthy of the game. I did like that line. That's mm-hmm. pretty good. But it's just, it's a little like, it's a little too, it's it's too thin. I think it's like if you're going to do a continuation of the episode, maybe you do talk about the virtual reality machine that messed up his mind and Batman almost left me for dead and I've, I had to pay him back for that. You know, just something. Yeah, something else a little bit. Because in the same breath, he vows not to go, that he'll never go back to Arkham. Right. And so it's like, I don't know. I feel like, isn't this a thing uh, in like a lot of those serial killer shows also, where it's like, to some extent, the villain does want to get caught and yeah. that's why they're leaving all the clues around? Well, that's kind of part of the Riddler's thing, right? Is yeah. That he's, he wants the he attention. Would- yeah, he wants to uh, prove his inter- intellectual superiority to Batman, and it's tough for him because Batman is more of a genius than he is. Right, but it's like it's a tricky thing with leaving the clues, right? Because it's like if you make them too easy, then you're like, then he's like, oh, it was so easy. Of course, you figured it out. If he makes it too hard and Batman doesn't figure it out, then it's also not satisfying because there's no chase. This so is, it's like you have to hit the sweet spot, yeah. <laughs> but that does mean that you're going to get caught. The first episode, the first Riddler episode is the best one with the Maze of the Minotaur. That is uh-huh. a fantastic episode. What a great introduction to the character. Yeah. Cool little, like, the way it concludes is fantastic. It's just great. I have to say, like, this is one of my biggest problems with the Batman movie, the Matt Reeves one. The Riddler stuff wasn't good enough. Yeah. he did, The clues are, like, Batman solves them not satisfyingly enough. Like, one of the clues depends on the, him being in a room with a cop that tells him what, like, a carpet troweler is. <laughs> right. <laughs> what is this device? <laughs> it's a carpet troweler, Batman. Use it to dig up old carpet on the floor. <laughs> it's like, only through that does he able to, like, save the day. And then it's like the Riddler himself, one, they, like, 
and I saw this in the behind the scenes documentary. They're like, we wanted to make him the Zodiac killer. It's like, okay, that's not really the Riddler though. Yeah, He's not no. a serial killer. And they make him like this weird mouth breathing serial killer, which like, okay, that might work because he's leaving the clues. It, it is kind of like a weird serial killer thing. I get what they're trying to do. But then the, my, in general, it's like it's, everything's just confused because the Riddler wins. Yeah. He blows up Gotham. He kills like six of the seven top most powerful people in the city. And he wounds the newly elected mayor like horribly. Mm-hmm. She gets shot in the stomach or, or in the shoulder or something. She's almost dead. Like, he's proved his point. Like, and he wanted to get arrested. He's only sad because Batman, like, wasn't on his side in the end, even though he pretty much bested Batman in so many ways. And I found that just, like, that was, like, a strange, like, that's your defeat, is that Batman wasn't on your side for this plan that went off pretty sim- swimmingly. Mm-hmm. So, and, and again, that's, like, that's more about the movie than less it is about the Riddler. But the point is, he is the Riddler in the movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, like... Riddler's all wrong here. It's not Riddler-y enough for me. He's, yeah. What, what are your thoughts? I don't know. Shoot just off like, hot takes. No, I don't have any hot takes about his, like, characterization in the movie. I just was thinking that I liked the performance. Like, it was good. The performance yeah. was good, but I agree that, like, the characterization, it's so, like, dark and serial killer-y, and it's like, yeah. okay, every director of a Batman movie is going to have different takes on what the tone yeah. and characterization should be like. I don't know. It's like we criticized a lot in like the 1960s. Yeah. Batman, like when Batman is following a clue, he'll be like, uh, how is a raven like a writing desk? Both start with the R sound. R was the first letter of my uh, sister-in-law's maiden name. And like, they just like <laughs> all these like flights of fancy that you're like, yeah. what the hell are you talking about? That's kind of, I like that. I actually like that. I, the Riddler I know, and the like Bat- that comparison. Yeah. It's just like the whole thing, the whole enterprise is so silly. I like that. I like it's that Riddler better. I like that Riddler better than the new one. Like, yeah. is that insane to even compare them? Um, probably, pro- probably not. But I, I like it's that. just so polar opposite in Frank tone. Gorshin. Yeah. yeah, I like the the Jim Carrey was a tribute to Frank Gorshin. I kind of like that like, version too. Yeah, you know the problem with that movie, and we didn't talk about it yet, but it's like the whole device that he gets where he sucks the television waves into his mind. That's like too much. For yeah, the it's other. too silly. That's too science fictiony. Yeah, it should have been more like something grounded with riddles. You know, so yeah. they haven't done the perfect Riddler yet, in my opinion. Mm. There, there's an opportunity to do a better version of the Riddler. A more classic version. I'm actually maybe I think the Frank Gorshin's the best one. <laughs> I was about to take it back. Like actually, I've been pretty satisfied with his version. <laughs> um, all right, where were we here? So, uh, so anyway, Riddler vows that he he's never going back to Arkham. So now he he's setting a plan, a new plan in motion. Um, he goes over to some filming studio. He has to film a wacko toy commercial, and. As like a funny little aside, he's like yelling at some kid that's playing with one of those pyramid toys. He's like, not like that. You'll break it. So you see that he's really not a friend to the children. Yeah, I guess not. It, it is funny that he's being taped live and he takes time out of this recording. To it's like he's him. not thinking about that yeah. at all. You know, um, he goes and he like implore. Yeah, that's a good point. They go out of their way to show he's not a friend to kids. Like yeah. they set it up in the episode, but they I feel like from a moral standpoint of the writers of the show had to be. Tell kids. Yeah, to show you, like, he really is a villain. He's yeah. not reformed. Um, so he implores the audience to go and, you know, pick up one of his toys and then go back to where it all started with toys. Wink, wink at Batman. Bruce understands right away that he means the Gotham Convention Center because that's where the toy fair was. Right, yeah. Okay. 
Batman shows up at the convention center. There's a decoy Riddler, like blow up doll, essentially, that manages to shoot a gun somehow at a tank full of water for like a Houdini escape. So Batman has to like dodge that. He has to also dodge um, like one of those enormous Riddler riddle boxes. The sides come falling down. Yeah. It's like a little, you know, it's booby trapped for him, basically. Inside that box is a huge TV set. And the Riddler has recorded a message, um, and there's a, a big bundle of dynamite right over his head, and the Riddler begins the 10-second countdown. Right, and Batman's trapped, and all, like, the exits are shut. The Riddler's With rigged steel it. doors. That's one of the Riddler's greatest uh, engineering feats, is just having steel doors slam down in a room. He did it quickly, place. too, it seems. Yeah. Um, and then uh, everything explodes. There's no way Batman could have escaped. Right. Next, we see the Riddler... He's celebrating a bit too soon, perhaps. Maybe in his apartment. I'm not really sure where he is, but he throws his mask, his hat, and his green jacket into the fireplace, believing that Batman is dead. Yeah. And what do you know? A batarang flies in. Riddler can't believe it. Um, Batman fights off the goons in there easily, and Riddler says, like, okay, so how'd you do it? Like, how'd you escape? Um, Batman's and Batman's like, yeah, he's like, uh, well, you tell me about everything you robbed and stole, and then maybe we'll talk. No, he doesn't say oh, that. Okay. Riddler offers it. Oh, I see. Really. Yeah. yeah. Riddler's like, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll tell you, like, everything I stole, where it is, how I did it, if you just tell me how you escaped. Right. And Batman's like, no. But he has that piece of... The little red ball, the two-way radio. And Commissioner Gordon's on the other end. He heard everything. That'll be enough to, put a, to end his parole right away and put him away for a long time. And the, everyone comes busting. The cops come busting with their guns. The Riddler's taken away, and he is extremely unsatisfied because he has no idea how Batman survived mm-hmm. uh, his exploding room of death. He's going even more nuts in Arkham Asylum. Well, before that, uh, the, the Bruce is with—the the show is merciful. They explain it to you. He's mm-hmm. with Alfred and Robin, and he says that, like, well, all my exits were shut off. And I like how they show a flashback to Batman being trapped, but there's no music this time. Mm-hmm. Which is, in my head, I'm like, oh yeah, Batman wouldn't hear any music when he's doing anything. <laughs> he'd just be fighting grimly in the silence. <laughs> Why, do you have music in your head all the time? No, you, but like, I... Back to your own memories? It just seems like if you're a superhero, the music, if you're Luke Skywalker or somebody, music is constantly playing wherever mm. you go. But uh, he just hides in the safe and... Uh, Robin, I think there was a safe in the room. Right. And Robin's like, the Riddler never would have thought of that. Yeah, I know. Uh, and so uh, Bat- Bruce Wayne is feeling quite smug, as he normally does when comparing himself with the Riddler. Meanwhile, the Riddler, as you said, he's in Arkham. He's going insane in his cell. We see all the standard Arkham prisoners now not in their supervillain outfits. Now they're all in street jackets. Hmm. And they're very they're being driven crazy themselves listening to the Riddler complain <laughs> that he thought he had killed Batman and he not. So we see Joker and Two-Face. You'd think they would all relate. Yeah, they would, but they're sick of it. Yeah. They have their own problems. It's pretty good. It's 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 definitely watchable. It's a decent episode of Batman. It's just with the Riddler I have a higher bar personally, and I want something a little Okay. more fun. Do you think part of it was that you remembered the ending? I did remember the ending. Like if you didn't remember the ending and it was still like how did he do it and then you find out you think it would have been more satisfying? No, because that like wasn't the point of the episode. Yeah, I guess. It was just this cool thing that happens at the end that they set up. Uh, it's just, it, it wasn't that great. I mean, the other two, the second one, the, the virtual reality Riddler episode is fun because the animation is so good. Mm-hmm. And the idea of virtual reality is like kind of, I don't know, it's in the zeitgeist now anyway. But um, that one, 
I don't know. There's a lot to like about that one. It's just like a lot more fun overall. That was a good Riddler sequel. Mm. And the first one is just truly great. It's it's as good as any of the other villain introduction episodes, which are all kind of noir and weird and have their own strange energy to them. Uh, where they they're like reinventing the character for a new age and a new audience mm-hmm. in that retro, you know, way they do. This one, again, it's just like, you know, they they want to sort of put the Riddler, they want to do another Riddler episode and they, they want to make it a continuation, but then he just ends up in jail again. It's just kind of not as interesting. I mean, in the first one, he escapes. Right. The first one, he escapes, which is an interesting ending. And the second one, he his brain gets scrambled and you have no idea what's going to happen to him. It's a really ominous ending. Mm-hmm. This one, he just goes to jail. It's like the least fun ending, too, of the three. And maybe that's my biggest problem. Oh, Okay. Look I don't have ending. as many problems with this episode as you do. I, I, fair. I, I pretty mean, much liked it. I, I liked it. Good. I enjoyed myself watching it. I just, you know, uh-huh. it's just, there's a lot of cream on this Batman show. And this one is not, is not the best <laughs> of creams. <laughs> that makes sense. I scream, you scream. We all scream when the Riddler tries to trick us. Mm. Sonia, uh, do you have any final words on this one before we depart for next week? No. Good night. Good night, everybody.